Welcome to Manager Tools. Teaching Decision-Making, The Responsibility Ladder, Part 1. Here we go. This cast answers these questions. How can I teach my directs how to make decisions on their own? How can I help my directs make better decisions? How can I help my directs learn how to take responsibility for projects? Well, if you want answers to these questions and more, keep listening. If you enjoy our guidance about the management trinity, getting to know your people, talking about performance, asking for more, pushing work down, and our tools are helpful, one-on-ones, feedback, coaching, and delegation. The ideal way to learn about implementing them is to come to one of our effective manager conferences. One day, we cover all of the major topics. You practice feedback, you practice coaching, you practice delegation. I can't tell you the number of times people have said to us, wow, I thought I understood the tools. And then when I had to practice, I realized I've taken it to another level. Come to the website, check out our conference schedule, see us all over the U.S. and in Europe and in Asia and in Australia. See you there. Sometimes we want to delegate, but our directs aren't quite ready to handle an entire project or process on their own. In that case, we delegate. And the great thing about delegation is it leads to their growth and the skills required to increase their value to the organization. Yeah, and it's not just delegation. It could be task assignment as well. True, yeah. Yeah, so many people want to talk about, oh, I I want to be able to control everything myself. I want the entire project. That's fine. We want everybody to have a great deal of autonomy over their work. It's an important part. We'll talk more about that later. However, there are too many situations where managers say, fine, you can have the whole thing. And then when things crash and fall down, they don't know where in the responsibility ladder, where in the development of these organizational results driving skills, there was a fundamental breakdown. That's right. And they get so frustrated and and scared of the idea of delegating or assigning responsibility to someone else that they stop doing it. And then they miss out on one of the key skills they need to grow as a leader and eventually an executive. Yeah, exactly. So this cast is about growing the responsibility of any of your directs. And we're going to start at the lowest possible level, which may not always be appropriate because maybe you have a senior VP reporting to you. This is conceptually how responsibilities go. The first thing you do is assign deliverables. And we'll talk about how deliverables are different than tasks. Our longtime listeners will know what those are. Okay. And those are individual deliverables. Uh, Next, we're going we're gonna to want to explain the context. We're going to explain why they're doing what they're doing. The more we help people understand the big picture, the more likely they are to be successful. That's especially important if you've assigned them fairly unrelated or unconnected tasks. So we assign individual tasks or deliverables first. Then when it comes to going up responsibility, the next thing we're going to do is assign research tasks, meaning I'm not going to tell you exactly what to do. I'm going to say, we need to research this area, and I'm going to let you start creating your own task within this larger responsibility. The fourth point that's really important is we want to keep our directs at a high level of performance. Um, It's our job, really, to improve profitability. It's, It's to improve productivity. And that means keeping them very close to the level of distress. And I know that probably freaks some people out, particularly if you're a new listener. 
bear with me. We don't want to stress people to the point of, of, of ineffectiveness, but there's a level below that where people really, really perform at super high levels. The fifth point we want to make in this process, this um, this ladder, responsibility ladder, is now we're going to ask, after we've got, they've got, we're clear they're good at tasks and they're good at research, now we're going to ask them to analyze something. Now we've got the research in front of us and now we're going to analyze it, okay? The next thing we're going to do is after they've done tasks, after they've done research, after we can trust them to do their own analysis, now we want them to be smart enough to also be able to make recommendations. So we're going to ask them to make recommendations, which hopefully we will agree to and then we will implement. And the last step um, in terms of their autonomy over the entire process is us delegating the decision. So they, they know how to do tasks, they know how to do research, they know how to do analysis, they know how to do recommendations. And if we follow their recommendations repeatedly, then we want them making the decision. We don't need to make the decision if we trust. If every time we agree with their recommendation, start having them make the decision, have them feel the stress, the pain of potentially being wrong. And then the last step is managing implementation and reporting, which essentially means, okay, you made the decision, you're gonna roll this whole thing out. You did all the work up to the point where we decide what we're going to do, you did all the input work, now you're going to own the output work. And of course, as many of our longtime listeners know, we have hundreds of podcasts about how you manage the implementation of a decision and how you take care of reporting and so on. But that's the final step. And too many managers in the modern world start with that and then get frustrated or they wonder why somebody's doing poorly and they don't know that these are the, the fundamental building blocks that leads to someone who can make their own decisions and then manage other people in implementing those decisions. Because if they go through this process, they will have learned what those components are that are necessary. That's right. I didn't don't recall you saying it specifically, but um, this applies to individuals, right? This responsibility ladder that if you have five directs, each of your of your directs could be at a diff different stage relative to this responsibility ladder. Is that right? Absolutely. Gosh, it's a fundamental premise of manager tools that you don't manage your team. You don't manage the output of the team. You're certainly responsible for the output of the team, but you manage individuals. And there are people who every once in a while stop me at a conference or a training and say, yeah, I don't like the way you say you manage individuals. I think you're supposed to lead, you're supposed to lead individuals, you're supposed to manage the work. I'm like, oh, okay, fine. We simply use management to mean the people side of things. Um, and we use leadership to mean the executive responsibility of the long-term success of the organization. But when it comes to managing and getting maximum performance, the first rule is knowing the individual strengths and weaknesses of each, not all, but each of your directs. And so, yeah, it's completely fine to have somebody who is a natural at this and does all of it without even thinking about it. You hand them a high-level task, you don't even define it, and you've worked together for so long, she knows exactly what to do, exactly how to do it, and she comes back to you in what feels like record time with the right decisions, the right tasks, the right analysis, the right recommendations, um, everything, okay? Then there's the other person, equally experienced and yet struggles with research or analysis or decisions. I, I had a person work for me a long time ago that couldn't, didn't want to make decisions. They said, no, I'd, I'd rather not make a decision. I'd rather make just recommendations. And I said, well, okay, this is as far as you'll ever go in the organization because 
because decision making, I said, you're already making decisions. She's, and she said, no, I'm not. I said, sure you are. You're making decisions about what tasks to do and what order and so on. It really is okay. You're not going to have a bunch of superstars working for you all the time. We hope that you do in the long run because you help them get there. But it's okay if people are at different levels of performance. Your job is not to decry, not to complain about the fact that there are different levels of performance and not everybody is an A player. Your job is to get the most out of the A player, the B player, the C player, and the D player, all of them. And that means getting to know them individually and helping them along this responsibility ladder, as well as the many other ways conceptually you can think about managing people and developing them and so on. That's right. And trying to make your D players C player and your C players B players, et cetera. So. Yeah. And getting your A players promoted so the B player can, yeah. Exactly. That's exactly right. Yeah. And yeah, and so working working your, your directs up this responsibility ladder is part of preparing them for hopefully your job, right? So you can move on and do better things. Yeah. Okay, so let's, let's talk about our first bullet point, which is assigning tasks first, which makes sense, right? I mean, a task is the one of the basic building block of all accomplishments in professional life, right? So good place to start. Yeah, and we, we said in the outline, of course, we call it deliverables, and we switch back and forth because when we say deliverables, sometimes don't people don't understand, well, what's a deliverable and how that's different from a task and so on. So we'll talk about that. Yeah, you're right. I mean, people don't really pay much attention to tasks, although I will tell you that David Allen's Getting Things Done really does a very helpful analysis of that. And we'll have more uh, guidance on this in the in the months and years ahead about defining tasks specifically and how to create them and so on. But the basic building block of any successful organization are, yes, people are the ultimate lever the ultimate advantage of organizations but how organizations get things done is not ideas it's not processes it's not systems it's not policies it is the accomplishment of tasks it is behavior and behavior ideally of employees associates team members whatever you want to call them behavior ideally is focused on tasks that are necessary and hopefully therefore also sufficient in order to accomplish the objectives, the goals of the organization. And it doesn't matter whether they're talking about just one task, like, like for instance, uh, you know, replacing the batteries in your computer mouse, you know, that's a task and there's a goal associated with it in terms of having it done so you can use your mouse again. Or maybe we're talking about one task in, in a series of 10,000, like, determining the cost of living in Omaha, Nebraska, in the United States as part of a project to build your corporation's next manufacturing facility. Both of those things are tasks. And in fact, the, the one about determining the cost of living is, is can be broken down to the subtask in much the same way that replacing the batteries in your mouse could be broken down in subtask. I would argue that there are a lot more subtasks or, or you could call them tasks as well in the cost of living example. But in either case, the result that you hope to get is based on the completion of the task or tasks to whatever quality standard is being applied here. Don't break anything. And hopefully smart enough to know by a certain deadline. Overly simplified. If you don't put the batteries in today, you won't be using your, your mouse tomorrow if they're dead. If you don't have the Omaha data, right, the cost of living data for Omaha, it can't be included in the comparative analytical spreadsheet that you're developing on different plant site locations. And your company may spend millions more than it has to because Omaha was never considered because you didn't do the cost of living uh, deliverable or task. And we all sort of take them for granted. It's like they're little 
pieces that we take for granted. They're like puzzle pieces. When you actually see the entire puzzle, which everybody wants to marvel at, it's beautiful. It's lovely. Look at that. But it's actually a whole bunch of individual pieces. And task accomplishment, the ability to, to finish things on time to the quality standard that's stated or implied is really at the heart of all of our abilities to get things done. That's why you and I, Mike, both love and highly recommend, again, David Allen's Getting Things Done, one of the best books written in the last 20 years. Yeah, exactly. And it's it's um, very easy to overlook the importance of tasks until you remind yourself of the number of people you've known, people who've worked for you, who just can't seem to get things done on time, right? Yeah. If we could fix the problem of every manager in the world doing one-on-ones, and we could fix the problem of people not getting their tasks done. Now, I would argue there's a big prob- bigger problem there in the sense that tasks are clearly defined and managers assume it and so on. I mean, gee whiz, you're talking about a two, three, four, five, six X improvement in productivity in virtually every organization. Managers say to me all the time, well, Mark, I don't want to insult, insult my people. Uh, I said, what do you mean insult? Well, you know, they should be able to figure out what the tasks are. I said, but let's not assume that they can figure out the tasks. I, I don't want to insult them, but this is so important to our organization. We need to be clear about it. Look, I remember um, somebody was saying, I would never assign individual tasks. I just give them broad things and let them go. And of course, he was a classic high D. Great. One problem with that. He is people weren't getting things done. And I said, you know, you really need to get down in the weeds. He says, well, I don't want to. I said, that's fine, but you're not going to get what you want. You don't get paid to do what you want. You get paid to do what is required to get done in order to achieve the objectives the organization expects of you. You don't get paid to do what you like or what you want. You get paid to do what's necessary. And I said, Coach John Wooden, somebody I revere, coach for UCLA for years and years and years. Coach Wooden won something like 13 national championships, something like that. Lou Alcindor, Bill Walton played there, many other great, great, greats. And, and, and when he talks about teaching his kids, he taught them how to tie their shoes. He taught them how to put on their socks. They built from the ground up from the basics. You read stories about, about sports teams all over the world. They do the basics. And you hear stories of superstars who say, well, I'm not going to, I'm not going to get myself involved in the basics. I don't have to do that. I don't have to do that. An example might be Bill Russell with the Celtics, but those exceptions are rare. And what's more, typically they so destroy the team that the team never achieves the highest possible level. Look, in order for any of our colleagues or our directs to be great at delivering big projects or delivering an analysis or recommendations, they have to be able to, to, to complete tasks to standard. We can't be entrusting, well, Manager Tools does not recommend you entrust large projects to your directs without first showing, having them prove that they can handle the building blocks blocks of those projects, which are tasks. A person who says to you, I want more and more responsibility, I want projects to manage, and then is repeatedly late on his deliverables, or you have to always go find him. And then he says, well, let me put it together and I'll have it to you tomorrow. And he never apologizes. Or he never proactively says, I'm going to miss a deadline. Oh, or he never says, I, I have questions and, and I'm worried that I'll miss the quality standard that I think you're going to apply to this particular deliverable or this task. That person, they can want projects all they want, but it's like, well, if you can't manage your pennies and dimes, why would I give you hundreds of dollars? It doesn't make any sense. Now, look, 
I think many of our listeners, Mike, are probably thinking, gee, this is pretty basic. I sort of take tasks for granted. And oh, yeah. They probably think even worse than that, that this whole conversation is somewhat demeaning. <laughs> yeah. And look, I, if, I, I think that's fair. But we're trying to build a library that could teach anybody at any time learning from the very basic level. And I would argue it's not in the sense that if you don't know this stuff, you need to know it as a conceptual framework for how you get work done in organizations. But there's another piece, too, that when we see people not getting things done, when we see inefficiency or ineffectiveness, a lot of times it just appears as that thing that I asked for isn't here yet. But managers don't really know how to analyze where the fault was. Well, this project is late again or it's over budget. Well, do you know why? Is it because they're choosing the wrong tasks or they're doing them in the wrong order or they're not reporting on them or you're not providing oversight or input or feedback or whatever? There's myriad of things that could be wrong with that particular project. And it's not enough just to say that project didn't work. You need to do better. That's not our job as managers. Our job as managers is to find out what was wrong and help the direct get better, again, leading to productivity and therefore profitability if you're in fact in a a for-profit organization. But really what we're teaching here is basic human accomplishment rules and principles. If you have these concepts in your head, it makes it much easier to do analysis and it makes it much easier for you to teach others how to get things done at a high level of efficiency and effectiveness. Now, look, for many of us, you say, well, I've hired a new guy. He's, he's new to my team. But on the other hand, you know, gosh, he went to Oxford or he went to Cambridge or uh, he went to Monash University in, in Melbourne, or you know he went to the military academy, the Naval Academy in the U.S., but maybe not the Air Force Academy. I'm kidding, guys. Um, and you can look at a resume. You can look at previous accomplishments and say, aha, she really has done things that prove to me she must understand the basic building block concept because over and over and over again, she hit home run after home run after home run. But that's great. And we can assume those things. And we want to assume those things. And we hope that when we assume them, the person does what they're supposed to do. Great. But all that said, there are plenty of professionals in the workforce today who are responsible for projects who haven't yet mastered task accomplishment. There are millions of professionals who don't know how to create a task. They don't know how to order their tasks. They do them in order of ease or what they like to do. Or they build tasks that are a week long which is very bad um, because by definition, on the moment you're late, you're a week late and not an hour late or a day late. Um, they don't know how to break them down into subtasks and component tasks. They don't know how to plan them in the right order to build on things for success. They don't know how to put shorter, easier things up front to, to get a lot of early wins in order to create momentum and buy in from others for the fact that a project is successful. And again, they make these gigantic tasks, like do an analysis of the six cities that uh, we're considering for this particular plant site. There's probably 20, 30 tasks in each one of those six, and you have to break them down and do them in some order and so on. They also don't have measures or they don't have deadlines for heaven's sakes. And look, we're not mad about that, but but that's reality. And if you want your people to be better, sometimes you have to go back to teaching them how to tie their shoes. Now, please don't write me and say, I can't believe you insulted me by saying that I have to teach my directs how to tie their shoes. That, again, is a reference to Coach, the coach, Coach Wooden, who, if you read his books, you'll discover that there's a big fat case to be made for why 
teaching the basics and building on the basics and earning the right to be proud of your success are critical factors and the highest accomplishments that the greatest humans achieve. Look, if you're seeing an intelligent, motivated direct of yours, but he or she struggles to finish projects, even if they've appears to have accomplished them before in some way, working for somewhere else uh, in some way, don't assume that because they've been entrusted with an entire project, that they have mastered the basics of task creation and task completion and task management and visibility and reporting and so on. Dude, I'll give you an example. Um, early in my career as a manager, I inherited a team leader. I was reassigned. Some new responsibilities were um, given to me and the team leader and the team came with those responsibilities. And they were late on almost almost everything oh, yeah. for a period of, of months. In long story short, in the end, the team leader would, would break down the tasks, give them to the team members to do, and expect them to get done. Well, what happened was she never gave deadlines to the task. And so the individuals, a bunch of high Cs. She probably had in her head some rough idea of when it needed to be done. Well, she did. I think she also assumed that the individuals would know this needs to get done in a certain period of time. But what happened right. in this particular organization, they were they, they delivered very high quality stuff. It just never got done on time. What happened was that the directs, not having a deadline, they just did it as long as they felt was necessary to deliver the best absolute product they could deliver. The problem with that is that what they were delivering, other people had dependencies on it. And so what happened is it it slowed down the entire organization, made the entire project late, of which they only had a small piece. And in their point, well, we need to do it perfect. We need high quality. Yeah, well, yeah, quality, I hate to say this, but quality is, is relative. And you have to deliver it to high quality in a specific period of time such that it doesn't you know impact the entire organization. So, yeah. um, and Literally, I, I'm, I'm telling you, the difference in turning this team leader around was simply that. Tasks have deadlines, give deadlines, and enforce deadlines. Yeah, and when the people push back in the beginning and say, well, I won't be able to reach my quality uh, objective with that, I say, well, quality is one of the triangle, one of the parts of the pyramid or the triangle, right? There's also speed, and there's also cost. And I think it's Lombardi, Vince Lombardi, who I revere for a lot of reasons, partially because he coached at school at West Point. And now that I think about it, he, his name is on the NFL's Super Bowl trophy, the Vince Lombardi trophy. And, and um, he said, uh, we cannot achieve perfection, but in seeking perfection, we can achieve excellence. And I think, I think people mistakenly describe quality as perfection. And of course, because it's in our own minds, by definition, perfection is subjective. It is not objective. In this particular case, I'll just tell you that, that, Setting deadlines had no impact whatsoever on the quality of the output. None, zero. Yeah, and and they're going to they're also going to say, um, "Gee, you know, I, I'm having to work harder." Yep, yep, you are. <laughs> I'm not going to apologize for asking you to work harder. Now, I'm going to be monitoring you for the for your work family balance. I don't want you to burn out. I need you to be sustainable. But absolutely, you're if you're doing good work now, but you're taking too long, you're going to have to learn how to do good work in less time. And if somebody says, well, I can't do that, you say, well, you better get used to the future because it's going to smack you in the face because five years from now, everything you do needs to take 10 to 20 to 30% less time than it does now. And people just can't comprehend that, but that's the nature of work. So if we haven't yet validated some person's ability to master tasks, the component parts, you know, the building blocks, 
Uh, and, and to be fair, guys, this does usually mean a less experienced rack. If we haven't been certain that they can do that, we assign a series of clearly defined tasks. Okay. Now, I, as I mentioned before, ideally, we assign deliverables. Deliverables are the evolved, more effective, more efficient form of tasks that need to exist in modern organizations. We have multiple guidance podcasts about that. Deliverables are tasks that include in their accomplishment the delivery of the task result to the recipient of the work rather than just the work. Rather than assigning the task of by 3 p.m. Thursday, create a spreadsheet comparing costs of the three options we're considering, we assign a deliverable of by 3 p.m. Thursday, send me a spreadsheet comparing costs of the three options we're considering. And the difference that it sounds very prosaic for most people, but the difference is there's a deadline and there is the delivery of the communication of the sending of the result of the work to the person who was then going to use that work in some other way. And if a person then didn't send it to you by three o'clock, the task is not done. Now you say, well, but what if they've already done it? I said, well, but that's fine. I didn't assign them doing it. I don't care that it's done. And one of the rules of organizations, whether you like to admit it or not, this is not horseman. This is not OZAN. This is not manager tools. This is organizational theory one-on-one. -on -one. It's been uh, true ever since the beginning of organizational time, which is pretty much the history of humankind, that um, work has no value in an organization until others in the organization know that the work is done. It's part of the tax you pay to the organization for the benefit of the organization maximizing the output of humans working together to achieve a greater output than they could do individually. If you've ever gone looking for an overdue task from a direct who then told you nonchalantly, oh, yeah, I, I already did that. Yeah, and you had a moment of like just wanting to go, ah, you know, why would you do it and then not tell me? Oh, and then I had a kid once say, I, I didn't, I didn't know. I didn't, I didn't know I needed to send it to anybody. I did it. That's what I, you know. Now look, I was old and grizzled. I think by then I was probably 26. <laughs> I just said, dude, seriously, how, how can you even say that? He said, well, I don't know. Well, the document's out there on the server. Yeah, <laughs> good, exactly. good, right? yeah. The server didn't tell me. That's like saying we have all the data we need about our customers. Yeah, okay. <laughs> right? Yeah, we have data, but we don't have information. And it's, it's in the servers, it's in the log files and so on, and we can't get to it. Now, look, when you first start doing this, the task you first assign to a direct to, to help you understand their ability to task accomplish um, don't have to be connected. They don't have to be related necessarily. Okay. Now, look, if they're in a particular, if they work in a very narrow area, maybe that all the tasks you could assign them are connected. That's fine. I'm simply saying there could be tasks in a number of different places. You don't have to try to put together seven tasks that build on one another in order to prove that that direct is, in fact, good at task accomplishment and meeting deadlines and meeting quality standards and learning how to communicate when there's a question about whether or not the work is going to get done. You don't. In fact, it's better in the beginning when you're assigning tasks to a fairly new direct. Uh, and I don't mean 
just inexperienced necessarily. It may be inexperienced with your company or with your industry or with the work that you guys do or what have you. But it may be better to not give them seven tasks that are connected, a la a soft sort of mini project. Because the problem with that is if they have a problem on the first one, it's going to infect all the others. And by the time they get to the seventh one, you're going to get something that's largely worthless. So it's actually maybe better to have unconnected things. The key here is in starting the process of teaching decision-making, make sure the direct can complete tasks and deliverables meeting the quality standard by the deadline. Because if they can't do that, the average manager among us is very unlikely to be successful at assigning them more complex work. Now, again, there's nothing magical or cool or sexy about tasks. But neither is there anything sexy about the rocks that make up the asphalt that you drive over in your cars. But, you know, like you don't really think about those rocks, but those little pebbles and stones, they matter. Every brick in the wall matters. If you see a wall a wall, and there's a one brick missing, it's like, dude, who did that? Why? Why? I mean, the, the idea is there's all bricks. There, there's enough bricks to fill the wall. Why would you leave something out? Now. I think we alluded to this before, Mike. You may get some pushback at this point, guys. Uh, a direct who has successful experience with big tasks, complex tasks, multiple tasks, linked tasks, large projects, may not feel that they want or need this level of oversight in the beginning. They may even feel insulted. I, I would argue that's their issue, but that's okay. Separate, separate. That's a psychological discussion. To reduce the chances of the tension that may be created when you go back to basics, explain what you're doing. And I, and, and I have to say this story. I mentioned Coach Wood and I mentioned Coach Lombardi. Um, when the Green Bay Packers, who attempted to achieve perfection every game, and Lombardi was a bit of a taskmaster, whenever they lost the game, Lombardi felt like they hadn't done the basics, the fundamentals right. And um, he would get in front of the team at, I think, a Monday morning or Tuesday morning meeting, and he would stand in front of them and say, Jim, what we lost on Sunday, we have to go back to the basics. And he'd hold up a football. He says, this gentleman is a football. Meaning, we're going to start all over from ground zero. And, of course, Ray Nitschke, his famous linebacker, who was known as a tough guy, but maybe not the smartest guy in the world, would always say, after, after Lombardi said, this gentleman is a football, he, Nitschke would raise his hand and say, hey, coach, can you slow down? So... What you do is you explain to a direct that rather than giving him tons to do at the start, at the highest level of responsibility, as a way of saying, I trust you, I believe in you, it'll be fine. You're going to start with the basics, which they're clearly, surely going to move through quickly. They're going to get a lot of wins early. You don't mean to insult them at all. You're just validating things in much the same way that when you have to get a security clearance to work for virtually any government in the world, they go back and interview high school friends and college friends and family and so on. You think, wait a minute, wait a minute. This guy, you know, he went to the Naval Academy. He's a nuclear submarine officer. Why do we need to do all that? Because sometimes the things that don't really need to be checked on still need to be checked on. Sometimes we need to dot our I's and cross our T's. Um, so uh, you, you tell the direct, look, you're going to get a lot of wins early on. And, and if I gave you too much, I may have to end up analyzing your failure. And that's going to be awkward. I don't want you to fail at the beginning of our relationship. So I might say it this way. If Mike's my direct and he's new, I might say, Mike, look, we're going to start with a lot of wins early. I'm going to ask you to do some 
pretty simple stuff that I'm pretty certain you can do. You can do, but it's really important to me that we have a, a culture here about effectiveness, and effectiveness means getting things done in a timely way to an effective standard. Okay, getting the right things done as efficiently as possible. We're not only about efficiency. We're about choosing the right things to get done. So in the beginning, when you're new, I'm going to choose some things for you to do. I'm going to monitor whether or not you do them and whether or not you meet my standards. Once you prove to me that, and I think you'll do it in the first couple of weeks, there are bigger and bigger, bigger things to do. We're going to be starting with a bunch of stuff in the wind wind column, and we'll both be motivated to find more that you can do for the organization. Now, look, again, guys, you can, if you want, assign somebody much more complex work. If you want to see what their level of responsibility, how much decision-making authority they can handle and so on, you can give them immediate project responsibility. You can. You can give them decision-making. You can give them implementation. You can give them reporting. Then that's what most managers do. It's easier to do. It takes less time. You just wave a wand. You say, broadly, I want you over in that general area. And it avoids that awkwardness of implying that they don't have the basics. The problem with that approach, and I've said this earlier, is that when they fail, we likely won't know the cause of the failure. We won't know if it's because they don't know how to manage their time or do analysis or make recommendations or even create measurable tasks or deliverables, hopefully. Okay? We won't have any insight into where to start to how to help them. And most of them won't be great at telling you what the problem is. Most of us aren't good at analyzing other people's work performance failures and getting to root causes. And I'll tell you something, the weakness that so many of us have in root cause analysis is especially prevalent in software development managers. If you're a software development manager, if you're a coding manager, if you're a developer manager, I want you to listen carefully to this. I'm not saying you're not good at root cause. You Probably you're better than the vast majority of us at root cause analysis. The problem is too many of you think that every time somebody makes a mistake, you have to go show them and do a root cause analysis on their failure every single time. And the problem is you don't have time to do that. So be careful about that. But look, once we've assigned tasks, and to be clear now, guys, these are tasks we have created. We manage their results. We keep track of when they're due. We give feedback, positive or negative, when they succeed or fail. That component, that task, is the fundamental building block of organizational behavior, which, of course, leads to results. And then that ultimately results are success. And if you start with tasks and deliverables, you make sure you get your directs get those right, task accomplishment is always there, and then you're able to build on that and give them more and more responsibility, bigger responsibilities, and the, the, the core component will be there. If you don't have task accomplishment down pat, decisions and leadership don't really matter. You can have great decisions and great leadership, but if people don't get the right things done in a timely way, you won't be successful. Basically, what this all boils down to is task mastery. Accomplishing tasks is the first step on the responsibility ladder, and so that's where we start. Okay, my friend. Thank you. Let's uh, let's uh, continue this one next week. Sure. Take care, my friend. Thanks, everyone. That's it for this week. We'll finish this one up maybe <laughs> next week. In the meantime, have a great one. If you enjoyed this podcast and you want the how-tos of management wherever you are, check out the free Manager Tools mobile app. It's available on both iOS and Android devices. Go to the Apple Store or the Google Play Store and download the Manager Tools app. Just search for Manager Tools in the respective store or go to the Manager Tools website, www.manager-tools.com, and you'll find the links on the bottom of the homepage. Once you've installed the Manager Tools app, you'll have access to all the Manager Tools and Career Tools shows anytime, anywhere you want. 
with easy searching of podcasts by category, using the map of the universe, or using built-in search functions, it couldn't be easier. Additionally, if you're a manager tool's personal licensee, you'll have easy access to all the show notes right from the app whenever you want. Go to the App Store and download the Managed Tools mobile app. You'll be happy you did.